Hey there, folks. Former General Subianto Prabowo has won the Indonesian election. What does it mean on a global level? I'm Aaron Young. Let's find out. Now, streaming right around the world, this is Ticker Today. So great to be with you wherever you are joining us from. Also on Ticker Today, how important will Indonesia's election results be to the Australian ASEAN Special Summit as well? But first... And we are talking the global view today. The Indonesian election's over with the former General Subianto Prabowo winning the presidency. His running mate, Gibran Rakabuming, son of the incumbent president, Yoko Widodo, winning the vice presidency as well. Joining us now to discuss this is Professor Tim Harcourt of UTS, the host of the Airport Economist as well, right here on Ticker. Great to see you, sir. Um, big results. What does it all mean? Well, it's a, it's really an amazing story when you think of it, you think back to 1997 where uh, Suharto was in power, uh, was a, effectively a military dictatorship, the IMF had been called in, and now uh, some years on, uh, Indonesia is one of the largest uh, democracies in the world and they held an election uh, right across in Indonesia, uh, over 200 million people on the one day and, uh, you know, they've elected a, a new president, so quite a remarkable story of a uh, transition to democracy. And what a democracy. I mean, there's a thousand islands in the archipelago of Indonesia. As you say, a population over 200 million trying to hold an election there. Uh, you would think there could be a, a few issues, but all went pretty smoothly. As far as we know, I mean, uh, yeah, you know, we have in Australia having to go to maybe, you know, the Torres Strait Islands and uh, some of the remote uh, indigenous areas in, in the Northern Territory and so on. But, uh, uh, you know, Indonesia is this very complicated archipelago with uh, great logistic challenges, great uh, cultural, cross-cultural challenges, but they seem to have managed it and uh, there's no need for a runoff. So, uh, uh, you know, Prabowo will be the next president. What do we know about him? Well, it's interesting, Aaron. He sort of straddled the Sohado era and the new modern democratic era, uh, era as a as a as a, uh, a former general. So, uh, you know, he's got some issues over some of the roles he played under Sohato, and that's been a, a, an issue for the US and uh, Europe, where he's often been banned to travel in. But uh, then he sort of reinvented himself as a champion of democracy, running a very populist, clever campaign on TikTok. Uh, among other other uh, other sort of vehicles, uh, as a seventy two year old dancing as a sort of daggy grandpa with his grandchildren, and of course he picked uh, he picked Widodo's uh, son as his running mate, which was quite a, a stroke of genius, not without its own legal obstacles, where uh, a judge had to allow him to be eligible. So uh, the campaign was a bit rocky, but they seemed to have got well enough votes to avoid a runoff. Really interested in the point you make about just how far Indonesia has come over the last 20 or 30 years as well, from being um, a, a military dictatorship now to a country of a democracy. Having recently just visited as well, um, I was really taken aback by how Western it has now become as well. Um, Jakarta, obviously Bali, where a lot of internationals head to as well. I mean, Jakarta is kind of the forgotten major capital city in the region, isn't it? Well, it is, particularly as they, you know, they've obviously moved their, their, yeah. their capital outside Jakarta, so that, that they've made their own decision on that. But, yeah, you know, you're quite right. I mean, you know, I've taken planes uh, domestically within uh, Indonesia uh, to West Java and, and, and to uh, Jakarta, and you'll see 
you know, a father with with thongs on and three kids in tow, uh, talking on his phone about his new startup and uh, his uh, <laughs> wife, you know, doing the same, running her own business uh, using all the latest technology. So yeah, no, it's an extraordinary place with its own uh, its own homegrown vibrancy. Really, a large domestic economy like the United States or Brazil, for instance, uh, and and that's where you know they get their main engines of economic growth. Now, obviously, Indonesia is the country Australians think of as separating us from a potential threat of China as well. What does the change of government now mean for relations with Australia, with China? We know that nickel is a really interesting piece as well. Australian nickel miners like BHP watching very closely because Indonesia is quite a threat when it comes to the price of nickel. Yes, it's team with, with, with nickel uh, and uh uh, what's going on there internationally uh, with critical minerals. I mean, Australia, of course, has very high-grade uh, nickel and very high levels of health and safety standards around the world and occasionally will face China and Indonesia and the Congo and Latin America to some degree. So I think that's the reason why Australian exporters have their own investments in, in Indonesia and in Chile and Colombia and Ecuador for that, for that reason. Um, I, and I think Indonesia has not only been geopolitically important as, you know, a major country in ASEAN with respect to China and the South China Sea, but also its own internal threats of uh, its own uh, Islamic militants that uh, uh, Widodo and uh, successive Indonesian governments have had to uh, had to manage. And uh, in a way, a lot of the cooperation between Australia and Indonesia has been about how we handle uh, domestic terrorism, which has been a big issue, obviously, for Indonesia, you know, as a secular democracy, but does face its own, uh, you know, its own, um, you know, fanatics within. Well, yeah, we think of uh, Jamaa Islamia, of course, behind the Bali bombings back in 02. Talk to us about Indonesia and the importance when it comes to the Australian ASEAN Special Summit here in Melbourne in March. Well, they'll be a big player, and uh, of course, you know, uh, I'll be at the special summit on behalf of Tika. Indonesia is going to be uh, obviously a big player. I think uh, some of the main issues will include geopolitical issues such as the maritime uh, threats in the South China Sea, and the Philippines and Indonesia will be very important players there. Uh, ASEAN's done everything by consensus, so there will be if you like, indirect discussions of Taiwan, but not directly. And there'll be discussions of uh, obviously the regime in Myanmar and what ASEAN should do about Myanmar. ASEAN doesn't like to directly uh, criticise its own membership, uh, but does have a way of dealing via consensus with some of the issues, uh, some of the flashpoints in the region. And I think that's why uh, uh, Prime Minister Albanese wants to host the special summit uh, uh, to mark the, the, the 50th anniversary of, of Australia's special relationship with, with ASEAN. We, we often think of the relationship in uh, Southeast Asia as one of perhaps the Philippines, perhaps one of Singapore, definitely Australia, the United States watching over everything as well. How big a player is Indonesia when it comes to regional politics? Oh, uh, one of the major players of, of ASEAN and uh, geopolitically, I mean, obviously Indonesia, very strong ties uh, across the world to the Middle East uh, through Islamic finance and geopolitically, the United States. And I mean, I hate to say it, but still with, with the Dutch, uh, a lot of Indonesians still uh, study in the Netherlands because of that uh, historic relationship. So they've still got a foot in uh, Europe from that. So Indonesia would be, you know, a, a large democracy with a lot of influence around the world and, of course, huge domestic 
challenges, which will be the main, uh, you know, the main focus of the new president. Well, talk to us about some of those domestic challenges for Indonesia. What sorts of things do they face? Um, we, we look at Australia, the United States, it's all about inflation, cost of living at the moment, um, and post-COVID recovery. Are they the same things being faced by Indonesia, or is it essentially trying to transform a bit like China 20 years ago to create more of a middle class? Yeah, it's got an emerging uh, middle class. It's got great, uh, you know, infrastructure and logistic challenges being a, a, an archipelago. Uh, and also, Indonesia's never really been a low labour cost sort of uh, uh, nation like a Vietnam or Bangladesh or China. It's got a large domestic middle class. So I'd probably uh, say it's equivalent to somewhere where Brazil, where um, you invest in uh, Indonesia or Brazil because of the large emerging middle class and its large entrepreneurship. Um, I've convened a number of entrepreneurship uh, uh, startup um, uh, conferences in, in Jogja and, and Jakarta itself, and uh, yeah, they have their own uh, emerging entrepreneurial uh, startup scene as well. You know, somewhere like Jogja, Jakarta is uh, the capital of gaming for Southeast Asia. So uh, uh, a lot of things uh, that uh, are important for, you know, for, for the younger generation are as important in uh, Indonesia as they would be uh, anywhere else in the Western parts of the world. Yeah, well, you mentioned about what's coming up in March with the ASEAN Summit happening here in Melbourne as well. Um, talk to us about the relationship between Australia and Indonesia when it comes to economic ties, of course, often said to be underdone. Why is that the case? Why does it matter? Obviously, over issues like East Timor, Australia and Indonesia didn't find themselves on, on similar viewpoints throughout the 1990s um, and, and, and prior we, we think about the Balibo Five as well. Um, but when it comes to the economic relationship between the two, I note the huge power, um, uh, the huge power plant being built at the moment in, uh, in the Northern Territory is going to be feeding into Singapore, bypassing Indonesia. What's the relationship like economically? Oh, you're right, Aaron. I mean, the headline's always the three Bs. It's always, you know, beef, boats and barley when, you know, the relationship, uh, you know, is actually much more, much more important than that. Uh, you know, if you go to Jakarta, you, you see an ANZ ATM at the airport, you see a Blue Scope sign, you see uh, uh, an Orica sign, you know, uh, the large corporates have found Indonesia very good for rates of return. It hasn't been a bigger place for SMEs from Australia. They tend to look at somewhere like Singapore as a base for their ASEAN operations. And, it's the usual story, and this is often lamented at ASEAN-type fora, that uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, export activity and import activity, a lot of traditional trading activity, but not a lot of Australian investment in a place like Indonesia or uh, in other parts of, of, of ASEAN. And that's uh, simply because, uh, you know, businesses have found, uh, uh, you know, different uh, types of rewards in, in China uh, and India. But the trading relationship, and I think, education and students and a lot of the geopolitical cooperation, particularly on counterterrorism, has been very strong between Indonesia and Australia amongst successive governments. And just finally, talk to us about sectors you see on the horizon. Um, you mentioned about SMEs and, and the fact that Singapore is seen as a safer bet. Do you think as time goes on, do you think as the relationship between Indonesia and Australia perhaps gets closer, the businesses will see Jakarta as a place, Australian businesses, Western businesses will see Jakarta as a place to do business out of instead of Singapore? There are a lot of, country, a lot of companies looking for replacements for Hong Kong at the moment. 
Look, I think uh, Indonesia, because it's large domestic middle class, will provide a lot of opportunity for Australia in uh, education and in, and in professional services, and there'll be strong agricultural links, and there'll be links, I think, increasingly with with, with critical with critical minerals. And one thing I think will be quite exciting is a lot of the, the startups that, uh, you know, we're seeing at UTS and other universities around uh, Australia that have a lot of uh, Indonesian entrepreneurial interests. So I think there's a, a lot of potential, uh, but, um, you know, obviously Singapore is going to be very, very strong as a hub for, mm. for ASEAN, yeah. uh, but there's only one way that Indonesia-Australian relations can go, and, yeah. and, and that's in an upward trajectory. Sounds good. Tim Harcourt, of course, always appreciate having you here on Ticker. Thank you. Trevor Kasse. Thanks very much, Aaron. <laughs> More Ticker right after this. Of course, we'll have the best in business with the latest from inside right around the world. Stay with us. You're watching Ticker. We'll have more in just a few minutes.